Hey, Spencer, have you heard of Lisa Lampanelli? Oh, you're talking about the queen of mean, right? Yeah, but she's also become the queen of lean. Did you know that? She has a, a play called Stuffed, where she delivers brash, skinny insight from the fridge to your ears. No, oh, yeah, not, no. I don't think that's what happens in the play. <laughs> I've actually heard reviews for the New York Times that have said uh, Stuffed offers laughs, genuine pain, and even a bit of insight. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Why? Is that relevant to anything? Well, well, you know, yeah, Lisa Lampanelli, she's got a lot of street cred, and she's also got a new Feral Audio uh, podcast um, where she and her co-host, Mike Morse, uh, talk about health, food, body image, everything else to help you be the best you you can be. That's a that's a, that's a a real hairpin turn for the queen of mean. She's, she's stopped stomping on uh, political sensitivities uh, long enough to help you self-actualize and get, engage in some self-care. So what? She dishes out some tough love as she takes your questions about being fat? Fat, being skinny, being anything but right, and helps you grab a little self-acceptance. I mean, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, but there's other stuff too. Like if you if you want to get yelled at by uh, Lisa, you can email get stuffed at feralaudio.com, uh, and maybe she'll uh, she'll make you feel like a piece of shit on the, on the podcast, <laughs> or, or or maybe she'll make you feel better. I, you you don't know with Lisa Lampanelli, she's the queen. Of mean and lean, um, <laughs> give their give her hotline a ring three four seven four six four two six five four, and you might end up in the show that way too. But in either case, it's worth a listen. It's free. Like uh, I think it's very interesting that she that she's 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 like had some transformative n- nutritional experience that she and now is is, is doing insights because you know what's interesting about the idea of Lisa Lampanelli talking about body image and stuff is that we already know that she doesn't give a shit about what your feelings so and and what we probably need to do more of when we're talking about um, health issues and stuff is actually have some frank conversations we're a very fat country very diabetic country very diluted uh, v- vain. Um, uh, self-loathing, uh, shallow country. Like, like, what, what, what do we need to do to actually be healthy? I, I, I would trust uh, uh, the queen of mean turned queen of lean to, to, to tell me that. Yeah. So make sure you subscribe to uh, get stuffed. Get stuffed. Kick the craving. Subscribe to get stuffed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeralAudio.com/slash get stuffed, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage. The new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham, and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie. My name is Robert Patrick. I play Gary Tyson. That's Gary Tyson with an I. In the film Last Rampage. Evil broke loose in 1978. Arizona State Penitentiary. You know, that was interesting. What, what, what it was like playing a real person as opposed to a, a fictional character. It, it was really trying to wrap your head around how this guy could do some of the things that he could do. That was the, the things that you were drawn on. Of course, I, I, there was no way you're going to try to do an impersonation of a guy, nor was I going to try to, you know, get as heavy as the guy. Uh, I didn't have enough time to really go that route. But I, I, you know, I found him really, really interested in trying to live up to the charisma that he had. I fell in love with the folklore of the story, like there, you know, the the whole idea that he was a guy that was raised uh, during the Great Depression. See that, from a historical point of view, those kind of stories resonate with me. That yearning for something better, trying to find it, have to steal to get it, 
How do you deal with that if you're a religious person? You know, how do you run underneath that? How do you justify it? He had a double life sentence that he began to push his wife and his kids to say, God, you know, I'm going to serve one term, and when I die, I'm going to serve another term in hell. Uh, I got to get out of this. And and the 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 link that he was willing to uh, uh, go to to get his kids to help him get through this and get him out of prison was it was fascinating to me. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters and available on iTunes and all on-demand platforms today. For more information, visit truecrimelive.com or follow the movie on Twitter at Last Rampage Film or on facebook.com slash lastrampagefilm. Feral Audio From Hollywood, California, at Meltdown Comics, the nerdist, nerd, nerd, nerdy, melt, melty, merd, Harmontown is now in session. Let's bring out Spencer Crittenden. You know what? Scratch that. I forgot he's not here. I guess in a pinch, let's bring out Rob Schraub. Rob, you, you want to do like a minute or two before Dan comes out? Yeah. I could do some table magic. Huh? T- table magic? Table magic. I need some cards and the Sharpie. Does anybody here have a deck of cards? Anybody? No, get, no, no, no. Blank cards. I'm going to make my own game up. Does anybody here have a blank deck of cards? Anybody I got like some three by fives. deck of cards. I'm going to put my own symbols on it. And my own royalty. I can give you some pages on my No. A blank set of cards. Everybody just give me a blank set of cards, and I will do some table magic. I'll make up my own royalty. Okay. Uh, I'll introduce Dan, and then I'll make No! I want a... You're saying Dan doesn't come out until you get some three-by-five cards. I want a blank... I'm not being clear. I want a blank set of cards and a Sharpie. Dan... Go. Dan Hammer is bringing out. Dan, go away. Rob, hold on, how, hold, on hold on. How much lead on. time do you want? Just, just a few. Just few like seconds. Twenty minutes. Should I stall until then? Should I, should I fill time? Just fill time, fill time. Uh, you know, the Feral Audio Network is, is, uh, is, is, is it's, the, it's the Lexus of audio networks. Uh, and uh, if you go to feralaudio.com, you'll, uh, you, you, get a free, uh, you get a free Maserati. A little bit more. A little bit more? Yeah. Maserati is the Lexus of cars. How much more do you need? No, I, uh, just one more. Okay. One more. All right. No. I mean, this I, I, is going to be a good I, set of cards. What, the person I'm about to introduce 
needs no introduction. He, uh, you know him as the mayor of the show that you came to see. Uh-huh. Uh, you ready, Rob? Yes. Okay. Go for it. Let's do this. Dan Herman. <laughs> Our guest has a hard out tonight. I have a hard out for you. I want you to pick one card. Is this this table magic? That's that's the card you got. Now read it. AIDS. How did he know? <laughs> the nose nodes. The nose nodes, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, the nose nodes. So nervous. I like the table. So nervous. Like I'm so nervous table. about tonight. You, who you're doing? I'm not nervous at this all. This is an important night for me. I know it's important to you. Yeah. It's, it, I it, feel great. I feel good. I'm so fucking drunk right now. <laughs> Dan, guys, I uh, love you. We have a we have a guest here tonight that uh, like to talk to. Needs no introduction. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk to him about about the emerging world of new media uh, because uh, all media is new to him because he was there at the actual birth of fucking television writing the uh when it was all beginning he's written on uh, what written on created he's developed over a hundred shows i don't even know name how possible uh all 100 of them some of them are, are more noteworthy than others all in the family sanford and son good times mary hartman mary hartman fernwood tonight um, Fernwood the Jeffersons. Uh, the Jeffersons. I skipped right over as one of the. Yeah, it's. I mean, let's just yeah, bring them out. Yeah. Yeah. Norman yeah. Lear. All of you millennials have no idea how. Oh, fucking awesome this is. You have no idea. This is really cool. Dan, take it away. Thanks, Rob. (laughs) Please do not screw this up, Dan. All right. So you have this documentary coming out that's about you. Did you have a hand in in any of it editorially? Like Harmontown. Absolutely two women made it. There are two two great women. Uh, and 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 they they you had an agreement with them like uh, I'm sure they're very reverent of you but but in order to make a as it, I got a sneak peek at it it's a very powerful emotional portrait. Um, they did a great job. It uh, it's an American master, so PBS uh, didn't want anybody to see. I mean, it's a rule of the game, mm-hmm. and uh, and they made sure I saw none of it. 
Right. And and then you finally saw it, and you how'd you feel? Uh. You know, I saw it with uh, it opened Sundance. It was it opened the festival, so that was a great compliment to the film. Um, and I saw it with my family, so I was just wondering what, how's my wife like it? My kids, I have six kids. Mm-hmm. They were all there. What 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 are they thinking? I have yet to really sit down right. and see it. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the more powerful emotional themes that that, that keeps coming up is about your dad. Um, and uh, but let's put a pin in that. Uh, the the because the really interesting thing to me is that I mean you 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 your career in television before it's it's almost a footnote in an equally amazing just lifetime. You it, it describes you you describe yourself in your book uh, sitting with that crystal radio. Okay, do, yeah. do you want to talk about that for a moment? That 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 first experience no, you no. had with you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to sing about it? <laughs> little, you know about it? A little song? Yeah, you, no, it, I, I'm, no, do you know about the uh, the Crystal Radio set he's talking about? I, I do not. No. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell me, Mr. Lear? <laughs> uh, my dad went to prison when I was nine years old. And uh, when I was eight and a half, tending toward nine, we made a crystal radio set. Uh, it was one of the best times I can remember having with him. And uh, and he was gone. And uh, I'm fooling with the little crazy. He had headphones and a little, what they called a cat's whisker over this little crystal. And if you caught a signal, you were lucky. And I caught a signal. And I was unlucky because the signal I caught had a guy by the name of Father Coughlin. He was a priest uh, who had a big radio show. Uh, and he was a madman and uh, a vicious anti-Semite and anti-Roosevelt. And he liked the things he heard beginning in Germany. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about uh, 1931. So... Uh, yeah, and you're you're a kid of nine years old, yeah, and you're no. listening to this guy. I'm listening to this guy, and he hates Jewish people. And I, it was the first time I knew anything about uh, anti-Semitism, which didn't it didn't take me long to realize, you know, if I was hurting as a result of a father Coughlin, these people I didn't see a lot of at that time in my high school and uh, my school, black people. I started to see a lot of them a little bit later, and I, you know, I had an automatic affinity for everybody that was suffering even more than uh, we were. I thought that was, a, yeah, an interesting part of your. your but I want I want to make mention of uh, we had civics classes in uh, in those years, so we were learning at that tender age about the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, all of those guarantees that this country was going to protect all of us and we would have equal protection under the law. And uh, that saved my ass emotionally. You mean it protected you, you from you the fear? Ass emotionally? I don't know. But, uh, do, you, huh? do you mean li- listening to this guy and feeling you, you, you might have felt yeah, hunted and country, endangered if it weren't for civics My country class? said he was evil and uh-huh. wrong. And uh, and it 
you know, we don't have civics classes in public schools anyway. They cut that like they cut the arts and music and uh, all those things that, that bring us together, make us feel as one. <laughs> Uh, seem to go first. Something we hung on to is the Pledge of Allegiance, which you mentioned in this really stirring, um, patriotic uh, 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 portrait of the America that you belonged to at that time, yeah. an America that hadn't entered World War II yet. Uh, it, you, you talked about patriotism. You talked about being at parades with your grandfather. You talked about the what it felt like to be proud to be an American back then. And one thing that you mentioned that caught my attention was this was before they had gratuitously added under God to the end of the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm -hmm. um, when did they add that? I, I could I could have looked it up, but <laughs> I figured you were coming. I, I, I think it was 1936. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's recently yeah. they, uh, they added that. I mean, there's a huge irony to that, this idea that you know, this, this is one of the dragons that you fought your your, your whole career and very capably. It, it's this it's this weird... Um, uh, this, this morality concept that, that that some people say has something to do with uh, Christian values, which you would not argue with. I, I don't get the the, the impression, and, and but but what you would argue with is that being shoved down people's throat and unduly influencing uh, elected office and things like that, which is why in the eighties when that the moral majority started, uh, well, that's when I started People for the American Way. You, to, to fight the moral majority, Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, Jimmy Swaggart, all those guys that were building these giant congregations, uh, insisting that uh, uh, you were a good American or a bad American. I mean, you were a good Christian or a bad Christian, depending on your political point of view. Right. That's the. I didn't start People for the American Way uh, at, at the beginning. I, I just did a 60-second television spot with a working guy sitting on a piece of factory equipment and uh, uh, saying that he and his family sit around uh, the uh, dinner table, breakfast table, talking about politics all the time. His wife and his kids disagree about all kinds of things, and he disagrees. But here come these ministers, he said, on radio and television telling you you're a good Christian or a bad Christian, depending on your – if you agree with them, you're a good Christian. Well, I agreed with them on a lot of political stuff, so I was a good Christian. My wife was a bad one. And I gotta tell you, my wife, I know my wife is a hell of a much better Christian than I am. And he winds up saying, so there's gotta be something wrong when anybody tells you you are a good or a bad Christian depending on your political point of view. That's not the American way, he said. Also ties I, ties into something you were talking, you talked about, about comedy when you were, in the part where you're talking about Jerry Lewis, which is we could start to talk about the the yes, your early yeah. career, which gets pretty fascinating. Um, but when you I, you stopped while talking about Jerry Lewis and talked about the um, the way you put it was if you're if you're comedically empowered. I'm paraphrasing you. You you, you have a you have a you have a once you once you become so popular for making people laugh that you can do whatever you want next. You can become you can continue to be a clown or you can. You can rise to the papacy, you, you said, and and that 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 idea that certainty is the enemy in comedy as well. That, not to put words in your mouth, but that Jerry Lewis being an example of somebody who became so certain of himself and his sense of control, his need for control, that maybe he started to get a little yeah, unfunny. He became a kind of pope figure. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, he makes his own point. I don't have to talk about that. As long if you've ever seen the years of muscular the muscular dystrophy telethon, you can watch him at the beginning being the most hilarious. Thirty-five years ago, or however many, uh, I mean, he was the funniest man I ever met, and we all but died laughing. Ed Simmons, my partner, and I, uh, and uh, and then little by little, he became uh, he knew everything, and uh, he, every year he did that telethon as the master of ceremonies. And you can see him change over the years and become that figure. Uh, you know, when they split up, everybody thought Jerry was going to have a huge, huge career. Where what was Dean going to do without Jerry? <laughs> and uh, and Dean did better. Yeah. You know. And um, now I, I guess you now tell him about the birthday candle. Jerry Lewis is as funny a moment as I can ever recall. <laughs> please, please. This it blew was, my mind. It please was, tell this. Uh, <laughs> it was. The, it, we were doing the, I think the the third or fourth Colgate Comedy Hour, and the guys were in Chicago, so we were. They were at the Chez Paris in Chicago, and we were staying at the and I forget the name of the hotel, the fanciest hotel in uh, Drake. The Drake. Do you say Drake? The Drake. No, no. Was it, was it the Drake? Uh, no. This <laughs> is the worst game show I've ever been on. The Drake. He, it was Jerry's birthday, mm. and Eddie and I, uh, we were on the same floor, and we went to pick him up. We were all going out to dinner. We were going to meet Dean in the lobby. And uh, we knocked on his door. Again, this was his birthday. And uh, come in. <laughs> and so we opened the door. It was pitch dark. And uh, and we tiptoed in in the darkness. And suddenly there was a can lit candle. I mean, a, a, a match lit. And the ma as the match descended, we saw uh, him with an erection and a, <laughs> sitting naked <laughs> with an erection and a baby candle in it. <laughs> Wait, in, in singing, it? Singing happy birthday to you, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> right. Jerry Lewis. Norman. Uh, the king of birthdays. I have a couple follow-up questions on that. <laughs> yeah. How long do you think he'd been waiting there for, for that? Like, do you think it was like long five minutes? Long enough to get an erection. <laughs> I, I, I think he could have heard the knock and run into the run into Oh, really? The, <laughs> the candle was but in? The candle, no. He'd have to be sitting there a little while with the candle. Yeah, oh. <laughs> there was preparation there. Now, would you? Did, so, the, how long was the candle in his dick? <laughs> just, just so you know, just so you guys know, November twelfth. That's it, when it took place. No, that's my birthday. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't. You're, you're invited, Norman. <laughs> if, if the lights are out, don't worry about it. Yeah, if the lights are out. Please come inside. <laughs> I always wonder when I hear these, uh, these old Hollywood... Uh, these Wait, but you, I have to go back to say that there were, 
there was never anybody funnier than he was in those years. And that was a hilarious prank among thousands of <laughs> hilarious pranks. Uh, no, you, I, you, 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 you literally, truly loved him. I mean, you, you say oh, I, so. You, you praise yeah, him absolutely. to no end. Um, we used to, he had a little play. He was on Amalfi Drive in uh, uh, Pacific Palisades. And he had a playhouse next door, I mean, in, in the back, the Garon Playhouse, named after his sons, Gary and Ronnie. And, uh, and we, Eddie and I, used to, he'd be behind a bar, you know, getting us a, we were not drinkers, but, you know, in, in, the, in the afternoon. And uh, we'd say, uh, you're 86 years old. So he'd become 86 years old. 86 years old with an Italian accent. Italian accent, and you're blind in one eye. You're, you're hearing your aunt call you from another room, and there's a baby crying, and we just throw things at him. And he'd add, he, he'd do everything you asked him to do, one, and combine them. And uh, until we fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I only, yeah, I, I, it occur, I mean, I'm, I didn't mean to bring him up in a bad light when I brought him up immediately. I was, I was, it was the connection between in politics and in comedy, certainty being the enemy. Um, and it was curious, um, what you, when you, when you watch, uh, today's comedy, like it's just really like this, our country loves its comedy and we're a very successful country and we're, and our comedy is very successful and it's institutional. And to what extent, you know, you, you very quickly gravitated towards controversy in your comedy. You went out of your way. Um, uh, you, you went it when you could have easily taken the path most traveled. You tended to end up on projects that were causing letters and, uh, to but be written. That wasn't the, you know, the intention at all. There was no such intention. Not like you were Geraldo Rivera, a, but you know. <laughs> no, you wanted people to have a discussion. No, wait, no, what, what got that laugh? I, I said, I said, it's not like you were Geraldo Rivera or something. I'm not no, saying no. you're like a <laughs> controversy <laughs> junkie. Uh, like you, like you wanted to make headlines with your shenanigans. I, no, but, we were. Uh, I learned. Uh, I mentioned my father going away. When my father went away, my mother was selling all the furniture. She was, had to get out of the house. She couldn't live there in shame anymore, and. Uh, uh, it was like two nights after he, they had taken him away, and the house is full of people who were looking at the furniture. Especially, my killed me to see somebody thinking of buying my father's red leather chair, from which he controlled the dial of the radio and so forth, uh, like Archie's all those years later. Uh, but somebody, a, an, an adult buying this stuff I couldn't bear him to start with, puts his hand on my shoulder and says, well, you're the man of the house now. So under those circumstances, you're looking at a kid in that situation and you're telling him he's the man of the house. Somehow I got a sense of the foolishness of the human condition. That was just, in its own stupid, ugly way, hilarious. And uh, and I got it, and that's what we wrote out of. There wasn't any subject that we ever dealt with that wasn't in the neighborhood. I mean, they weren't talking about down the street, across the street. You know, women went through what women went through, men and, you know, parents and their kids, the kids in school. All the things we did were just out of what we were reading about or hearing about or living through. When you were doing uh, All in the Family, like in some of the more, like, you know, 
some of the topics you dealt with and that were you know very controversial for the you know compared to what else was going on on the air. Did you get a, like a lot of interference from the uh, network or studio at the time? Did they, did they have any say on the set like during the week of rehearsals? Yeah, no, they. <laughs> yeah, uh, it took me three years to get the show on because uh, ABC, who bought it the first time. Uh, Laughed like hell, but wouldn't put it on. They, they, <laughs> there were they, two pilots they, they for All in the Family. It's, there were three. Three. There were, there were there were two pilots, and then the on the air show. The two pilots had Gene Stapleton and, and Carol O'Connor, the two leads, and different young couple. I kept thinking I could improve the young couple, and happily, it took three years and three do you know three uh, makings, uh, tapings. Before I got Rob Reiner. And oh, so he and wasn't Sam your. Uh, you you, so, you you described you were friends with Carl Reiner and you, I, you described Rob yeah, little Rob Reiner being little hilarious kid. on the floor <laughs> because he had been raised around comics. My, I, my oldest daughter, they're both sixty eight years old, and uh, my oldest daughter and he were playing together, and he was teaching her how to play jacks, and uh, because he had been. Eight years old or seven years old, hanging around his father and his father's Jewish friend comedians, he was talking like this. That's the way you do it. You punch the ball and then you pick up the ball. But she said he wasn't doing impressions of anybody in particular. He just adopted a comedian's personality. Right. He, he grew up around Sid Caesar's you know, yeah. the, the whole cast of. Your but he wasn't just parroting them. He was. Uh, he was. He he had, he had affected he, their language. He, their, yeah, no, it, it rubbed. It rubbed off. Um, totally. I I, uh, um, I wanted to talk. Well, what I was leading you down the road of was just to make get 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 the get the uh, you know Master Jedi to make a quick commentary about today's comedy. But I'm not going to lead you to that 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 whatever. Who cares? But but. Uh, <laughs> Um, because I was just a little curious about what somebody who for whom politics and comedy were were both like inseparable. Because what you know, when you look at today, when everything seems decidedly non-controversial in terms of comedy, when well, talk shows watching South Park. <laughs> well, yeah, South Park is amazing. Yes, do you watch? Do continuing. you watch South Park? I do watch South. Well, I watch it when I can. There's so very much. He officiated there. Trey Parker's wedding. Really? I just read. <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you've, you've sat in their writer's room, right? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. He does bar mitzvahs. He does uh, <laughs> quinceañeras. I can be oh, at wow. anybody's house tomorrow morning. <laughs> but but so competitive but you, rates. Your 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 career begins. So we've, we've touched on your dad. So there's this part. It's it's amazing in your book how you parse it out. You you. You you uh, even in your book you're uh, you're you're stirred by this and confused by your relationship with your with your father and uh, can we find out who it is? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who is it? I don't know. I gotta find out. I Please have six, be Rob Reiner. I have six kids and I always tell them. Please be Rob Reiner. Reiner. Well, if Rod Serling wrote this, that's your dad. It is Brianna Lear. Ah. Uh, Oh, it's, it's Jerry Lewis's lawyer. I'm sorry, man. It's Jerry Lewis's lawyer. <laughs> no, it is. Uh, it is a, a daughter at Vassar uh-huh. who just got something she sought, and oh, she great. couldn't be happier about it. Uh, oh, thank you. You said you have you have six kids. You said 
I have six kids. I my kids range from twenty-one to sixty-eight. <laughs> yeah, you have a job. Try that on for size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You have a daughter that's 50 years old. And I older did that with small hands. <laughs> <laughs> so when, so when, 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 for those people, those young people planning to have kids, is it, it's, it's, it's good to have them 50 years apart, right? Because then the, the older one doesn't pick on the little one as much. <laughs> it's less bullying. They're all, may I say, they're, uh, they're all very close. Um, who, so, who, who's the worst one? <laughs> I, I'm the worst one. <laughs> so your career starts as uh, like like your childhood is sort of like your, your feelings about your dad are so prominent, and and the thing that you later reveal after you've talked about your your exploits for a while, and you touch back on it, and you and you say in the book. There's a word I haven't been using, and that word is fraud. Like I talked about the trouble that my dad got into. I've been yeah. so your 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 dad's like sort of inauthenticity was a huge factor yeah, in your life that was very confusing to you. You loved the guy, so so then he goes away. You like let's let's put a pin in World War II for a second, which you fought. <laughs> Um, I, it's, just, it's impossible to interview you, and I'm a terrible interviewer. And you are impossible to—you can't—you'd have to take a, just any chunk. Let's talk about civil liberties for six hours. But your 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 writing career—I mean, you you initially you wanted to be a publicist. You wanted to be. You I had to, one uncle who used to flick me a quarter when he saw me, <laughs> and I just got a picture of him today from his granddaughter, someplace in Maine, where she went for whatever reason she went to her mother's uh, her grandmother just died and she was going through all this stuff and she came across some pictures of this uncle that used to flick me a quarter hmm. and he flick, he, what was he flicking you a quarter for what had you done that was Nothing. so great he, he, he just uh, liked me and flicked me a quarter oh what's up <laughs> I, that was my role model an uncle who could flick a quarter I wanted to grow up <laughs> I wanted to grow up to be a guy who could do that I, I, oh you I, I have a niece him, right you now you didn't want more quarters and I can do that you can still flick a quarter what can we get uh, a quarter here yeah. <laughs> see I, I have a niece but I, I don't think a quarter would work anymore I think that you, you, you why because they added zinc no, or something? I, well, somebody, somebody, somebody give it this I man remember, a quarter. I remember sitting on a fire escape with my mother and my father and my sister on a hot summer's night, and the conversation for 20 minutes was whether they could afford to give me a dime or a quarter. I can't remember what that was, to go get a pint of ice cream <laughs> at the drugstore. Uh. That's how much a dime or a quarter. You got ice cream from the drugstore? Yes, from the drugstore. That's the best place. Before there, <laughs> before there was uh, ice cream. I, I used to in high school. I, I would go to thr Thrifty's drugstore and get, and get ice cream when I was a kid. Thrifties. Okay, so, so you kind of... Uh, you, you, Don't interrupt my ice cream story. The war. Your, uh, your entry into writing is... You were talking about the war. Well, I was, I, I don't know, I was put a pin in the war because it's, a, we'll be here all night. I mean, we'll, 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 we'll go back to it in a, in a, in a second, but you're, you come out of the war interested in the world of publicity. You end up writing just as if, as, it was as if it was a moving job. It, it, it you care, it, it, you, you're, you, it was a way to keep from going broke. And you, but the audacity of, of you, that, that, that this, was it Danny Thomas? Was it, what was your first gig that you, or was it, who was the guy that you called 
Danny Thomas. Uh, can you, did you want to just tell that story really quickly? This is because people. people I, uh, no, take take your time. I just like people. I, I'm on panels and people say, "How do you break into the business?" Listen to this method. <laughs> <laughs> I read in uh, Variety or the Reporter that uh, Danny Thomas's agent was William Morris' office. Uh, I had an idea for Danny Thomas. Uh, called his office at twelve thirty or so. It, hopefully, uh, hoping that he would be at lunch. Got his secretary on the phone. He was at lunch. And was talking as fast as I could. I said, uh, Norman Lear, I'm, uh, I, I've just spent three days with Danny Thomas. I'm writing a big story for the New York Times. I'm at the airport. I'm going back now. Hope they're calling my plane. I've got to talk to him. I have two questions. I'm going to file, I'm going to write in, on the plane and file it when I get to, and she gave me his number. <laughs> So I called his number, and he answered the phone. He was alone in the house with his accompanist. I even remember the guy's name. Wally Pop was his name. <laughs> and uh, he was Pop. going to appear at Ciro's, a nightclub, a very famous nightclub on the Strip, the very next night at a Friar's Frolic. It was a, it was a show business event. Everybody there would know his material, he said, and he was looking for something in his, uh, you know, that went back a few years that they hadn't heard. Uh, and I said, well, this, this is brand new. They haven't heard it. And he said, it has to be short. I said, it's very short, <laughs> whatever I had to say. He said, all right, get your ass over here. So I said, well, this is like, you know, quarter of one. I said, well, we'll be there. I can be there by four o'clock. He's, he's mad, and he says, uh, you, you say you're calling from Hollywood, I'm in Beverly Hills, I'm 20 minutes away. What do you mean, 4 o'clock? But we hadn't written this thing yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, he said, if you're not over here by 3 or whatever the hell, he said, we got there. He read it, he liked it, it told very easily. And, uh, and he did it the next night, and he killed. And we were in the kitchen at Ciro's, peeking out through a curtain, and saw him just. And I got a call the next morning. Could we be in New York? Did, have, do we write television? I said, yes, we write television. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, why not? It was new. <laughs> Norman, I'm sorry. Uh, how old are you at this time? I'm uh, 29. 20, 29 or 28, okay. something like that. Amazing. He had already, yeah. you know, yeah. fought in World War II. Yes, right. Voluntarily. <laughs> Uh, was Danny uh, Thomas was was, uh, was he already on, was was father father knows best right was it was that on or no was that later? No, it's later. Yeah, later. No, it's uh, father yeah, father knows best was later. He was a nightclub comic. Okay. He was a nightclub raconteur. It's like nobody else. He told long stories, and uh, I like his style. Like <laughs> lots of them biographical, and uh, there was nobody else like Danny Thomas. He could tell a story for eight minutes and get a thousand laps along the way. Wow. So, uh, so we wrote this uh, story for him. So that that audacity, which you you have this remarkable combination of audacity and acquiescence, which I, I have a question about in a in a second. You, I swear it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> but what this? Wait till you hear this question. Yeah. <laughs> 
the um, but in in those moments, like your your career beginning like that, just because by sheer force of will and through let's call it dishonesty. I mean, it's a negative word, but like you were lying to Danny Thomas, you lied to him, you lied to his agent, you lied to him on the phone. You you were a con artist in that moment, and you and your 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 oh no, Norman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you reconcile that with this with this un- already irreconcilable relationship with the spirit of your dad? I was, was... Uh, I was all about doing good for Danny Thomas. Right, you so okay. I so that gonna, I had something for him he couldn't get anywhere else in the world. Well, that was going to be my my yeah. unforgettable question that I was about to ask. Is 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 this this unique blend of audacity plus acquiescence? Is it my suspicion? was that it's actually a surplus of personal security, <laughs> that you know you're so good <laughs> that you don't mind listening to other no, people's I've, needs. And This is a little piece. I've done a few interviews over the years. This is the first time anybody called attention to that. You're absolutely right to call attention to it, but it is the first time I'm thinking about it. Hmm. I lied to the secretaries telling her who I was, and I lied to him... Uh, well, I didn't really lie to him, but I, I didn't say yes or no as to whether right. I had written it. But let's call it that lie. Now I have to make I have to make my peace with that. Well, oh, gosh, no, uh, it wasn't a crime. You did. <laughs> what did you do? You did fine. Dan, what did you do? <laughs> I, I broke what Norman Lear. What did you Lear. do? Oh my no, god! You know, I've said like it's been a sham, Lear. What did you do, Dan? <laughs> Your stories about your dad make oh it sound like your dad was just bad at something that you turned out to be very good at. Like, like you, no, like you, you. My, 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 my father was selling fake bonds. Right. He was a. He was. You use the word fraud a, later, right. and it's like hard. It sticks in your throat to say the word yeah, fraud. because I'd rather call him a scoundrel. Right. <laughs> and so that's how. Well, I guess. Or a it, rascal. That's a good one. Like yeah. a rascal. I love a but it's, it's okay. Well, we don't have to. I mean, I'm not Freud. I'm not gonna like. Wait, wait, I, I just, I just, yeah. I guess my answer is you hadn't thought about it. Like, like, like how that sort of applies when you're going like, yeah. Well, I'm at a gas station. That's why I'll be, I'll be three hours. Okay, I have to write this thing, which is like I, I've done that a lot too. Uh, and I, I, I guess I wonder, like, for you, was is writing. Is it a magical thing that people are born to do, or is it a means to an end and you could do anything you want because you're a god? <laughs> yeah, it's a loaded question. <laughs> no matter what you answer, you sound like a prick. I sound like a what? If you answer, if you took either of those options, you'd sound like a prick. I guess I, I, I created a trap there. I just mean, is is writing is writing this? Did, did writing become? Did you did you you you, you didn't you didn't you weren't no, a you kid. have to in order to write you have to be a prick. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> well, yeah. If you met Vince Gilligan, he ruins it for everybody, right? I mean, oh, Vince is so nice. Uh, He's really nice. Uh, <laughs> He is super nice, nice guy. Uh, really nice. Hope to work with him. I think my I think my question is 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 writing in the blood or is or is writing a uh, just another thing you can learn to do like juggling or no? I think writing is its own. Uh, yeah, yeah I, a writer pays attention to life. Uh, I'm not uh, 
with the conscience of uh, a forethought, but it, differently from the, another, the, the average person. Because I because I've spent a lot of years when I wasn't writing and a lot of years when I wasn't. I was paying more attention to everything when I was writing, and uh, and I'm doing that now. We're doing a new show. This is Brent Miller sitting here. We're doing a new show together. And, <laughs> and next to him is uh, Kiyomi. And when you call me, she says hello. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I will. I'll give props to uh, it's Steve Levy who to, h hunted Kiyomi down. Is it Kiyomi? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I said on this stage it was a fantasy to have you up here, and Steve Levy uh, went and made it a reality so I could show what a bad interviewer I am. But because uh, it would have been fine as a fantasy, as a, uh, but 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 here we are. And uh, um, yes, this uh, well, yeah, you're doing a thing for Netflix that sounds really interesting. It's sort of uh, I don't know if you're offended by the word reboot, but you're re you're you're revisiting uh, one day at a time. Yes. Uh, with Rita Moreno. With uh, a, uh, Rita Moreno. Rita Marina. Oh my God! We're doing uh, a, a Cuban American version of One Day at a Time, and uh, she is the older generation. Uh, Justina Machado, uh, who's just great, is playing the daughter, and uh, I forget the name of the young actress who plays the uh, granddaughter. Three generations of Cuban Americans, and they're gorgeous and brilliant. Yeah, and plus, black people, like, we're, you know, we saved them already with TV, right? Where's uh, but, but speaking of... What which, are you uh, doing? <laughs> what are you doing right now? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, you, I'm so uh, sorry, Norman Lear. I'm so sorry. One of these examples of audacity plus acquiescence... One of these examples of audacity plus acquiescence is this. Uh, it's 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 briefly touched on in the in the documentary I saw. Uh, What's the documentary called? Jesus Christ! Just my bumper sticker reads, "Just another version of you." That's the title. And okay. That's the title. Just look at his bumper when you want to remember. Okay, it. I'm looking at it right now. Just Google Norman Lear, you piece of bring shit. Bring in the bring in the car. Bring in the car. <laughs> bring in the car. Uh. In between Good Times and the Jeffersons, there's this anecdote. The, the it be, uh, Good Times was, it was was it literally like the first uh, black family on television in a in a sitcom at least. I mean, like, like it was literally in any version. Yeah, any. and so the and so there, there's it, it there you, there's it kind of like it it you got this you have that amazing feat, which is breaking the syndrome of people are watching television and they're being, they're, they're, they're taking their cues. The, the national psyche is, it, it can change. We have a responsibility to change it. And so there's this amazing like feat in terms of a writer's accountability to the public uh, trust. And then at the same time, there's a guy on it whose catchphrase is dynamite and there's conflict therefore on the set. This is a, the documentary touches just on this. It can't be an easy set of highway cones to, to thread. The, the, then there's this anecdote about, uh, uh, uh uh, like three Black Panthers show up, it come to your office and say they want to talk to the garbage man. I want to talk to Norman Lear, the garbage man, yeah. and they storm into your office and say, "Good times is bullshit." How do you you have this guy? They they, they read you the Riot Act. Now 
pause here and anybody listening, put yourself in the situation. Like, how acquiescent are you going to be? Um, uh, you in that moment, like, you know, maybe not in that moment, like it's Forrest Gump, but you, it, you credit that moment as starting us down the road toward the Jeffersons. So you're still listening. You've already proven that you're the king of television at that point, and people are barging into your office to call you a garbage man, and you listened to them and and took their feedback and made another great show that was what, great what, from another perspective. What were the Panthers? What were they most? Uh, because they were living in the projects, because they were downtrodden, or it no, they, were, they just wanted to talk about why their big uh, uh, bellyache was. Why does the guy have to hold down three jobs? Since occasionally in, a sh- in, in an episode, it almost seems like he's, you know, looking for a fourth. He, he he's so hungry to make some money to support his family, and why can't there be an affluent uh, family on uh, black family on television? They didn't get as far as why can't there be that? But uh, they they were yeah. pissed off that the only family that existed. Uh, the guy had to hold down three and, jobs. And you didn't say, hey, I'm, I'm, I, like, you didn't get mad. You're like, oh, you have a point. When they came in looking for the garbage man, I did take him over to the window and pull the curtain aside <laughs> and said, look down there. You see three. It's, we were on the third floor. See down there. You, you see those cans and so forth. Uh, the guy, and the garbage man can't be far from there. So, <laughs> so they, oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> there was confusion. Uh, no, Jefferson spun off of All in the Family? Where, where, where did, yeah, George was on All in the Family, right? They lived next yeah, door. On, on yeah. All in the Family, uh, uh, Lionel was, Lionel. was, uh, his good friend. And they moved in, the Jeffersons moved in. Next door to the uh, bunkers on Maud, uh, Esther Roll played the maid on Maud, and uh, she was just dynamite. You know, <laughs> 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 and uh, it's pronounced and, dynamite. And we in- <laughs> on Maud, we introduced her husband John Amos, and the network said there's a show in those two people. So because I mean. I, I was born in 73, so I was like a little kid growing up on some of your shows. And then the, like then there was syndication and stuff that like I got to watch it all from the very beginning. But like those, this, this might be... I have uh, 51 years in this, man. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> he looks to me like a friend of my dad's. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you're, you know, you're, we you're, drink more than you do. <laughs> Uh, it's been a long weekend. Uh. Uh, but like the the beauty of those shows is that it's, it's it's first and foremost the writing. I mean, obviously, what what the content of those shows was, but also you have these wonderful casts that I don't like. You don't you don't see that a lot. Like the the the, the, the cast of Good Times and Jefferson's All in the Family. Like the acting that went on. Also, some of the most memorable theme songs in the world. Like like <laughs> we all know every word to those for the rest of our lives. Were you involved in the in how you selected the themes? Or like uh, I, I selected the theme, but I certainly wasn't involved in their creation. Okay, but, but you said this is the one. <laughs> but I'd like to sing them all for you now. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
They were, I mean, you, the, uh, your uh, shows are all characterized by something that, I mean, it, 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 they, they're like plays. I mean, you, you, yeah, you tended were, to... We did, them, we did them in front of a live audience like a play. They were written to, to play like a play. And when we talk about multicam as a format, you know, we, we talk about canned laughter and we talk about the cheesiness and the sanitized uh, artifice of it all. But then we continue to go to that bat. At least I do. I, I, I always say, well, if, I mean, it's, we haven't been doing what Norman Lear did. Why? We don't, we don't have any right to shit on the multicam format until we go back to what? doing what you were doing. Um, the, the, and so I'm curious, do you have any theories, thoughts, rants, screeds about why is it that we saw you nail it and then turned our backs so willingly and what it was working? It was working as a business model. Your shows were hits. They were also, they didn't have, you know, they, they, they allowed for 10 second, uh, gaps of, of, I of, could listen to the man all night. <laughs> They were, they were, they were plays and they were character driven and they had stories to them and they, they, you, but you, you didn't think, why is it that we went from that to, to well, there what are, we there, have now? There, there are a lot of shows that are paying, Modern Family is paying attention. It's, that's about a lot of important things. It's a, it's a wonderful show. And as I say, uh, you know, Seth MacFarlane and, uh, and, uh, and, but what uh, about South Park? But and, what about multicam sitcoms, though? Or, or if you, well, I I love uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, what's the name of the show? McCur- Carmichael. Carmichael. I I think Carmichael's terrific. What's, I never even I haven't even heard of this. You Carmichael, whippersnappers Gerard, come on the show. Gerard Carmichael. He's a he's a twenty seven eight year old comedian. He he is the centerpiece of a family of a show. They do it live. And it's terrific. Uh, uh, All right, hipster. <laughs> then, uh, then there is uh, Blackish. But, but Blackish and, is a multi made, made in front of a yes, made in front of a live audience. Uh, you know, terrific show. Oh, all right. Well, I'll check it out. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> and Wednesday night, we're making the first episode of uh, One Day at a Time. So, this ability to listen to people who who barge into your office and are totally you you would be entitled to not listen to them. You'd be entitled to not listen to anybody. You you clearly didn't have to come here listen to my bullshit. You you're still watching other people's comedy. I'm 43 and have already started down the road of total obsolescence because I don't. Uh, how what how why are you so nice? Uh, is it? <laughs> Well, yeah, what's it, your problem? You know, yeah. <laughs> what are you hiding, Norman? Here's a fact. Mm. It has taken me 93 years, a bunch of months, a lot of several weeks, a lot of days, minutes, seconds to get to this fucking second. <laughs> it's a it's a tough booking this show. It is. Yeah. It has taken everybody who's applauding has taken every bloody second of their life <laughs> to get here just to be looking in this direction at me. So you you remind yourself. So if you add add that up against my ninety three, I'm way ahead. <laughs> Norman, no, but seriously, the answer to the question is 
living in the moment. And 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 so, but that sounds like that's leading automatically to empathy because it sounds like you're talking about you can sense you 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 don't have to remind yourself whereas my therapist has to remind me that they are people like like, like, like you you you're, you're, you're by being in the moment you're like you're like you are you are them you are the people that barge into your office and call you a garbage man you are them you are another version of them. You, that's your, aha, uh-huh, I figured it out. No, I, I have sat here, you know how you can have 90 strains of thought in, in, in your brain at any one moment? You can. But again, again, well, then four. <laughs> <laughs> I, I top out at two. <laughs> I'm like, oh, holy shit, Norman Lear's here. What am I going to ask next? <laughs> Those are the two thoughts I can hold in my head. But I've wondered about these faces and these, some I can't see back there with the lights. But, you know, everybody has put it this way. If you have some sense of the creator's design here, the enterprise, this being a planet among a billion, in a universe of which they say there are also billions, then can you get your fingers close enough to measure the importance or the impact of any two individuals from Albert Einstein to anybody sitting here? If you appreciate that we all matter and uh and how much we matter you can't you can't as i say you can't get your fingers close enough to measure and so it may as well be that and living in the moment and i don't know great i love waking up in the morning (laughs) i don't i don't have a more favorite thing are you guys applauding the morning or did you get Nor- the sense Nor- he has a heart out? Nor- in here? Norman, when when like like a, a famous person like dies that that is touched, do you like do you like text like some of your friends and say, Do, do I like I what? love you? No, I I just really appreciate you, and you just like like say David Bowie dies, and you're like going, Oh man, it, it hurts me so much, and you want to you want to reach out to your friends and say. I really appreciate you. I think that's, I, I, I really, you know, you're only going to be here for so long, and I appreciate you. It's something he does to me every time someone dies. It could be a famous person. It could be a loved one. He texts me that he loves me. I take it as a, 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 a criticism of my lifestyle. Do you, do you think... <laughs> so I want to know which, which one of us is right. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think you're both wrong. <laughs> Okay, good. All right. Good, good, good. Well, I think that's I think that's where we'll give him his freedom. Uh <laughs> Watch for One Day at a Time on Netflix, uh, June, July. Uh, I think it's June or July. Just just Google One Day at a Time Netflix, and uh, and the movie, a different version of you, is uh, another version of you. That'll is, be out in uh, in July. Uh, July. Okay, so it's January is the Netflix thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everything's a Google away. Why do we even? Why do we do the whole plugging thing anymore? Also, it's but Norman no, Lear. Why are we plugging Norman Lear stuff? <laughs> I like to give the kids a chance. Keep them off the street. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of our outreach this, program here. Can I just say this was great? Oh, thank you. I'm glad, I hope to God that you're and not it was, just it being was, nice. It was worth waiting all this time for. <laughs> yeah! All right. Norman Lear, the legend, the icon, the human being. 
the son, the father, the writer, the producer. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. <laughs> Coming to a theater near you and uh, still on your television. Uh, thank you so much. The, the fellow that has to sit here holding this cannot drink at the same time. That's, all right, so no, the notes. Next time you might. We will. I will listen to those notes. <laughs> They're coming from a good source. Thank you, Norman. What are you guys talking about? What are you talking about over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you guys talking about? I, I, I like the coloring of the, of the beard and so forth. And I told him that if the uh, animals were collecting us, he'd be a prize. Yeah. All right. Just, just sit back down. Just stay. <laughs> stay forever. Don't, don't leave us. Norman Lear. All right. Unbelievable. I like his style. I don't, I don't want him to go. I'm sad now. I know. I, I, I know. I like his style. I like his style. I'm going to dress like that. I think it's weird that he's, he, he thinks about animals collecting people, though. <laughs> I, yeah. I, so that's, that's a weird instinct. Uh, ho hopefully he'll come back and we can just expound on that. I mean, isn't that something that, that somebody would say if, they, if, if that was a person that collects people? Like, yeah. like, he has a bunch of heads on his wall? It's if anyone could get away with it. You have a collectible face. Uh, that, that new Russell Crowe movie uh, with him and uh, Ryan Gosling, you look just like him. You, 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 he, he's starting to look more like you day by day. <laughs> Shots fired, Russell Crowe. <laughs> but I want to hit the gym. Was that? I wanted. To, I wanted to ask Norman Lear about the Underoos situation in the Avengers trailer. That's Stan Lee, you fucking asshole. <laughs> you don't know it isn't. <laughs> he got Norman Lear mixed up with Stan. I did not. Wow. I thought that was your joke. No. Okay. Anyways. I wanted to know if he pays attention to that stuff. Sinatra. He yelled at Sinatra uh, on the phone. <laughs> what? Uh, World War II, a little thing called World War II. We, no, I, I would... We, we could have talk, I mean, talked like, about It's impossible any... to... It's he, impossible. What did he... He flew like, in bombers. Ask me some He stuff. flew in bombers or something like that? Did, did, yeah, did, he was in one of those fucking things. He, where the, he, he bombed Germany, yeah. The, the, he, he, I, he, I think he might have been in the other theater. I can't remember. Theater of War. Oh, was, it, was, it, was it Japan? Why do they call them theaters, by the way? So huh? creepy. Because uh, always make an entrance. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was. And never be the first <laughs> to leave. Yes. It's where we got. Uh, it used to be. Well, break a leg used to be uh, blow off a leg. Gross. All right. Well, now we got to figure out what to do for an hour. I think we just I think we just weep mournfully and think. Oh, also, that was I was I've never been that nervous with a guest that we've ever had. I was okay. I was pretty cool. You were you were crying. I, I saw you. You were weeping. I was crying a little bit. I, you you kept t putting on your glasses and taking them off and wiping beautiful giant 
tears out of yeah, your eyes. Yeah, I was looking at some vines, though. <laughs> my feed is sick. I, I, I had a... Uh, Right? I had a dream. Steve Levy, right? I got a sick feed, man. I do some revining. I do some revining that's fucking sick, Norman Lear, man. I had a Jefferson's dream when I was probably like... So hot. After... Oh, it was really hot. I was probably like in my mid-twenties. I dreamed that I was JJ, and I was getting it on with Thelma, his sister. But... it wasn't like an incest thing. I was so I had such a crush on her, and and I, I and I was JJ, and like I just kept like finding ways to be around her when she was naked, and we, then we then she realized that I wasn't her brother, but I was still I was still JJ Walker, <laughs> but I was fucking Thelma. It was, a, it was really good. It's good times, not Jefferson. Good times. I'm sorry. Good times. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to correct you. Well, I mean, uh, I, 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 I had good times. Dream- Jefferson's dreams, too. But also, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, like, we didn't even scratch the surface, which, by the way, I've, it, it, was a, it was a soap opera parody. I did, I've seen, like, a half of an episode, like, back in reruns when I was a kid. Like, to really, we should, we should we, you know, watch Fernwood Tonight, which I haven't seen enough of. Fernwood Tonight. This is like experimental television. Oh, so it, was, it was, like, like, yeah, talk about, like, I mean. Taco Bell about it. Taco, Taco, Taco Bell, man. Taco Bell, man. Like, the, the, run the, for the border, man. Think out of the box, man. Taco Bell about that shit, man. Mary Hartman, let's Taco Bell about, let's. Listen, let me let me get my let's taco bell about it. Let's taco bell about This let's segment brought taco to you by Del bell. Taco. Taco Bell about it. We could taco bell about it. Let's taco bell about it. Taco Bell about it. See again, this is why people should subscribe. For five dollars, you can see that Rob wrote "taco" and a shitty bell on a card, on the, on the back of an envelope. He's probably still here and now knows for sure we're stupid. <laughs> he might have come back. This is the smartest I've bell ever run. been. I I, I, felt I like, wanted to be grown up tonight. I kind of felt down like we shoot him off. Did he really have a hard out? I, I felt like he would have stayed for a while. I think he wanted to stay. I think he just didn't like you. Well. <laughs> Well, a lot of people, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin what could have been a great historical segment for Harmontown, but toward the end, he farted, and uh, no, no, I, I, no, I just, I got, I got, I got, I was so nervous about being so, professional so and like making cool. it like a, but you did a great a contained it, thing, and then there was a big applause thing that was kind of like summed up, you know, it was like, oh no, what if I go past that, which I constantly do, and then I was like, all right, yeah. get out of here, get out of here, <laughs> they're applauding. Yeah, I wanted. To- I wanted to talk about World War II a lot. I, I thought that would be fascinating. It's, it's, a, it's a weird, awesome third dimension. Yeah, that. man, Charlie in the Bush. <laughs> but, you know, we that, could... That was one of his worst sitcoms, by the way. <laughs> but we could talk about that stuff without asking him questions. That's, that's why I'm a bad interviewer, because really I just want to talk about stuff. You did a good job, because you, uh, you read the book. And I try to just, yeah, you know, but really I could just talk Dan about... Dan read the book. <laughs> He listened to the book. He listened to the book. He listened to the book. Yeah. God. Oh, Is the audio version of his book him reading it or somebody else? Is it like, no, it's him. That's awesome. That's a feat, too. That's another feat. That's fucking hard, reading your book into a microphone. It probably took like six days. 
Because you, you, yeah. I think you, probably less. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll never know now because I fucked up the interview. You did a good interview. You did a very good interview. I, I, I think you ought to be. I wasn't fishing for that. I wasn't fishing for that. But uh, you, but you cut a nice twenty-pound uh, compliment. You did good. You did good, Harmon. All right. Well, now what? Uh, I think we. Uh, you know, you're so goddamn fun. What? Fun when something else is going on, and you're what now? 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 What? You? I am fun. What were you talking about? What did you, you, why did you send me a clipping of a of a of a comment? Like what? What do you? Why are you still reading Reddit threads about community for? <laughs> I just said some of the worst parts of community were uh, my fault. Were you in a community subreddit? No. Where Where were you? What were you? I just typed my name into. <laughs> I don't care about anything else, man. I'm just looking up me, man. What's the wor- what's the what's the what's the best case scenario typing in your name? And... She's so fucking hot. <laughs> so hot. So hot. Well, if you're not gonna take my question seriously, then no, I I am I am. I can't believe you're still doing that. Thinking I'm hot? There's nothing but pain there. No, I know, I know. But look, we as humans, we seek out pain. You know we do. You know you know, you have something that goes on the air. When Lego Two comes out, I'm going to be digging for the one, and it is only going to be one bad review of that Rob, movie. Rob, you directed the highest-rated episode of season six. That is true. I didn't know that. What is it? The last one? Steve Levy, back in your room. The last one. The last episode. It's probably the last one. Yeah. Was it the last? Everyone episode? showed up to bury the show. What was it? Paintball. Paintball. Oh, uh, you know. Okay. All right. Well, a lot of people are probably wondering, oh, so the first half of the show is the show, and then the second half is just talking about the show, how the show's going? We could do some improv. All right. Let's do some improv. Uh, what's, a, uh, what's a controversial topic? I think, I think you guys should do like a 70s sitcom. I think you should do like a... Like a Rockford Files? Rockford Files, the sitcom. The year is 2014. Lego movie just came out. It all goes downhill from here. <laughs> Ding dong. Well, that sounds like someone at the doorbell. I'll get it, Martha. Okay, Jeremiah. <laughs> help me, help me, God. Help me, please. Help me so much. Martha, help me. Help me. There's a mothman on the help porch. Me. Help me, my wings fell off. I can't get home. I gotta get... Help me, please. This is terrifying. Help me, me, please, Rockford Files. Please. (laughs) Rockford Files, my my giant Mothman wings fell off. I can't get home. Rockford Files, please help me. I left a message on your machine, but nobody answers. I heard your message. Now, if you know whom I am... I do, Rockford Files. (laughs) Then you know I'm a straight dealer, not a double dealer. 
But you know, I'm swift to justice if someone hurts the people I love. I With won't. that, come on in. Okay. Oh, could I have some of that warm soup cooking on your stove, sir? I'm so cold. I'm so cold without my big old Mothman wings, please, sir. Could I have some of that soup cooking on your stove, sir? Martha, give him, give him some soup. Uh, I, oh, this, this is the last of our soup, sweetheart. Just a little nibble on the soup. Please. Now, now. Just a little nibble on your, yeah, I, nibble I, I, on your I, I, wife's soup. Honey. I want to have some of your wife's soup, please, right uh, now. Honey, come Jim over here. Rockford. Come over here. Honey, would you, can we talk privately in the kitchen? I, I, I didn't work all day making soup so I could serve dirty moth people. I'm not that dirty. I, Should I wait in the living room? Oh, Should I wait in the living room? I didn't know your hearing was that I acute. I thought you said to both... Oh, you're being racist. I'm going to wait in the living room. Okay, I'm going to wait in the being, living room. I was trying to be racist, but quietly. That, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm you're sorry you had I'm to hear wait that. wait in the living room. But, but you know, we, oh, I, I, now that the cat's out of the bag, I don't like dirty mouth people uh, in my house. I'm know, a racist. I, you know something? I'm a racist 1970s housewife. You know something? You know something? I don't like him. I don't like him that much either. You're a self-hating moth person. Yeah, yeah. If you had a shower or a towel, I would clean off this dirty moth person that you see before you. If you, okay. if you give me a shower. Okay, I have a shower. I have a. Sh- I, I take. Which way to the shower? It's right, right, it's right upstairs. Right upstairs yeah. in your mobile home. <laughs> yes, we're we're. It's a double dicker. It's, it's a fine. double dicker. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I just, I you just, see, I'm gonna how, climb up this the is rope. Why, this, every time you talk to a moth person, you get the fucking third degree. <laughs> this, this is the shower right they, here. They, moth people, you're, you, you circle the light of my this boredom. Is, <laughs> this is, this is the shower. This is your shower. Yes. Okay, I'm stealing. Fuck you. I was lying about the wings. I flew that fucking out of there, man, man. He stole our shower. <laughs> Honey, why did, why did I take all that time cross-stitching that little thing that we have above our door that says, no mothies? <laughs> oh. uh, I'm a racist housewife. Well, we still have our soup. Meanwhile, in space, boom, 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 boom. Hello. Hello, Commander. (laughs) Hi, Bob. Uh, You're looking very fit this morning. Um, It's a dark T-shirt, slimming. I am. I should get one of those. Where'd you get that from? Navy. Navy. Old, right. old Navy. <laughs> old Navy. I'll, I should take that out. Have a seat here. I want to just go over your report. Uh, so you said you didn't see a meteor yesterday. I merely stated what I was told was to be said. By my superiors. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever seen this? Have you seen this before? Have you ever seen this? 
Have you seen this before, Commander? Commander? Commander, have you seen this before? Commander, I am assuming you still have eyes. Podcast alert. Rob is holding a picture of a person. (laughs) Have you seen this person before? It's got big eyes and a mouth that's That's, going... That's a meteor, not a person. Exactly. You pass the first test. I'm going to beam you down to Earth. You're going to meet up with Jim Rockford, who's going to help you out with the shower case. Energize. (laughs) Oh, no. Hey, get the fuck out of the road, asshole. What the fuck's wrong with you? Get the fuck out of the road, asshole. Oh, put some clothes on. Get the fuck out of the road, you stupid piece of shit. He's naked. This is CPH, you motherfucking stupid piece of shit. You fat fuck. Get the fat fuck out of the way. Get out of CPH. Yeah, get the fuck out of the road, man. I'm going to turn around and tell you again. This is California Pacific Highway. Get the fuck out of the road. Get the fuck out of the road, you piece of shit, you fat fuck. Get on the beach, you piece of shit. Dude. Kleenex engaged. (laughs) I hate being from space and being fat. I hate myself. I have body dysmorphia. I am chained by self-esteem. I am bound to society's definitions of beauty. They do not compute with my big synthetic bones. Must eat feelings. Must eat feelings. Car. (laughs) Feelings not eaten. Need more feelings. Manhole cover. (laughs) Throwing manhole cover at cop car like a weapon. (laughs) Must eat police like feelings. Whoa! I'm a family! Must find family and eat it. (laughs) Going back for now tiny driver's license because I got bigger when I ate everything. Family at (laughs) 1-800-Dentist. Oh, honey, is that you coming? You're you're early. I haven't made lunch yet. What? Oh, honey, honey, is that you coming up the steps? You sound heavier and bigger than normal. Is this 1-800-Dentist? Yes! (laughs) 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 Mommy, what happened to my... Ah! (laughs) 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 (
You are delicious. <laughs> you, you will not. Uh, 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 what, what did you say? Freeze. I, we have a special weapon that can neutralize you in moments unless you stand down. <laughs> Cut to five weeks later at the Oval Office. I can't believe that big monster fell for it. I said, "Stand." We, we, we never had a special You're weapon. You're just very good at what you do, Jeff. It's just, <laughs> you know, power. I've been saying it forever, but nobody believes me. You're really good thank at what you. you do. Thank you. You're really good. Thank you, Madam you're President. You're that good. Madam you're President, that good. thank you. You're that good. Okay, now you're over... You're, 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 now you're kind of overcooking the lamb chops. You, make, you, you sound sarcastic now. Mr. Uh, President... I have a question about my, my, my job. I was talking to Madam President over there. Mr. Mr. President? Yeah. Um, don't assume the gender stereotype. Uh, as Secretary of State, it, it, by, by state we mean country, so if I'm Secretary of it, why am I not in charge of everything? You're, you're in charge now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sarcastic. Oh. I mean, why, why do you need a Secretary of, of the country? Is that the president? What? What do you mean, what? <laughs> I didn't hear you. Uh, what, what would you say if you didn't hear me? I'd what say, would you say if you didn't hear me? Would you say a different word other than what? I'd say what? What would you say? I'd you would say, say what? what? I'd say what? Yeah. But what how could you not hear, hear you. me? Did a car drive by? I was talking into a microphone. You, you were mumbling? You were looking I was not away? I mumbling. Okay, I wasn't then mumbling. I then I did hear you. What? I heard you. What? Then I did hear you. What? Then I did hear you. What? Uh, then I did hear you. What? Cut to Jim Rockford's apartment. So you say that somebody stole your shower, madam? Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That was foolish of me to assume that only one of you was a woman. I didn't realize that you, you both had your own shower stolen. Do you live together? Because this is a, this is the third shower theft that I've got this week, and I'm really in trouble. I've got some gum in my hair. <laughs> well, let's I, uh, let, you know, there's an old remedy to get rid of that. What what is what's uh, the old remedy? I, uh, I you have to come into this room with me. Okay, all right. I guess okay, I'll wait out here. All okay. right. Okay. Excuse me. And I uh, I open up the refrigerator. Uh huh. In the freezer. And I take an ice cube out, and I freeze the gum, and it's easier to get out. Meanwhile, I'm snooping around, and I find a shoebox full of Polaroids, and I gasp upon seeing Polaroids depicting ice cubes uh, being applied to hair with chewing gum in it. <laughs> Kathy, get out of there! See, the gum comes right out. The gum came Kathy, right out of my... Kathy, we gotta go right now. What do you mean? There's something I have to talk to you about in the parking... <laughs> lockdown. Oh, my God. My hair's been locked down. <laughs> this gum is never gonna come out of my hair now, thanks to you, you fuck. <laughs> Fucking asshole. On the night of my best date... This ga- gum is never going to come out of my hair. You've always wanted me to lose, Dan. Lockdown removed. Yeah, it, it seems like I was going to 
kill you both, but it seems like you guys have a lot of things to work out. I know, I know it was you writing on Reddit. I can't, I can't go near the internet and type my name in, and you're still doing that. It's insane. Like, it's just crazy to me. Like, I had to, I had to turn my back on that world a long time ago. It's sad. I'm catching up with you. Uh, all right, so that episode will to be continued like they did in the old days. So. Tune in uh, next week on Jim Rockford when he finds out what happened with the shower. And, and also with uh, the President of the United States finds out what happened with the alien who came from, from another planet. And uh, coming up next on the Duke's Hazard, check out J.R. Ewing. It's going to be all crazy when he meets Mark and Mindy. Uh, uh, coming up on uh, the fantastic, fantastic television show that you're going to watch. <laughs> Let's bring out DeMorge Brown. Yeah! Don't, don't mind me. Hi, everybody. How are y'all doing? All right. You're looking very smart in your blue blazer right now. Uh, okay, I believe it. I lost a button. On oh, it. So but it's... gained a daughter. <laughs> Her name is Rosario. When's the last time you were at a wedding? Don't mock me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like five weeks ago, I think five or six weeks ago, I was uh, my friend. Here's the thing: married. a lot of you, a lot of you kids, you're gonna get married soon. Uh, <laughs> not me, from the looks of it. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of choices you 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 can make when you're uh, doing your wedding. Where are you gonna do it? What time of year? Who are you gonna invite? How much are you gonna spend? Uh, here's something that's free to do for for me when I come to your wedding. Do a fucking mic check. Do a mic check on your wedding. God damn it! I can't hear a fucking thing from back here. <laughs> Jesus Christ! How many weddings you go to where it's like? It's like fucking windy or there's a train happening and then the fucking pastor or whoever goes, and you're like, you can't say at a wedding, like, you got to eat that mic, brother. <laughs> uh, like, like something. Father. Should... Well, you know, it's, it's Los Catholic. Angeles, it's so mostly yeah. it's just like a friend of a friend. It's not like it's not like an actual. But it's like, like no, yeah, I mean, fucking mic check your wedding. You. Yeah. Mike, check it. Hey, I'm I'm on board with that all the way. Hey, were you at a wedding last night? Mm-hmm. Is that why you sent me this drunken text? Wait, what are you talking about? What drunken text? You sent me... He's a man without a country, but... <laughs> wait, wait, start from the top. We, we, we need start it from the top. Total silence in the house, please. Let's see if I can do this without... What is this... Coming back to me. I love it. <laughs> there was a there was a guy in the lobby of the standard. That I, that I, <laughs> I, 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 I called biracial swimmer. <laughs> 
I got that. I, I just like took a picture of him. I don't think you were sober. <laughs> I got that too, and, and no, I, 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 I thought I, I thought I missed some connective tissue. I didn't know oh, what that was. Boy. What that was? Yeah, I, I thought didn't know you I, were there, Jeff, and I was an accidental ad. Yeah, yeah that's about it. Ah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. By was written. that guy kicking you out of wherever no, you were? No, no, no. Because he was like, hey, you got to leave. Hey, you Did you ask leave. him to take that? He's no, facing you. got to leave, just... man. I know, but well, he was, he, was, he was pulling aside a velvet rope so I could go to my suite. And he was biracial swimmer. Fucking gross. <laughs> Sounds like a sitcom to me. Biracial <laughs> swimmer. <laughs> I didn't know talk I... talk to him about it. AKA Pablo. <laughs> Wait, so did I did I did I text a voice message to you? Is that what yeah, I got I got that too. No, I, I got didn't. A, <laughs> I got a picture. Play it? I just did. <laughs> All right. Well, how was the wedding? Aside from the mic problems, did you did you enjoy it? Did you cry? Did you, did you, I, I cry at all weddings now. Cuz I'm just like this must have cost a fortune. <laughs> no, I uh, I just had, you know, you start, I think you, <coughs> in your late 20s, you start crying at the at the dad toasts at the reception, and then you move into the dad plus the brother toasts, and then you move into just all the toasts, and then you, and then you start crying during the ceremony, and then you just cry when you walk into a wedding. <laughs> I just cry the whole time now, because it's, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're you're catching two people uh, at a moment of 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 bliss. Are you a crier, Demarge? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm gonna say no. By and large, you don't. You're not. By and large, no. But sounds, I, I, sounds like I, a I, challenge. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the gauntlet's getting thrown. Oh no! Let's make Demarge cry. <laughs> it's a new segment. <clears throat> Demorge, yes, uh, what have you been reading about the situation in uh, Japan? Uh, well, you know, uh, I know for... Well, I heard a kid got eaten. <laughs> and he didn't even deserve it. By a kappa? By a what? By a kappa? By a kappa? The Japanese river monster. <laughs> that only, no, that no. only eats children. No, it wasn't cartoonish. It was, it no, was, this is real life. It was grounded and real, and a real Jesus child Christ. lost its life. And, 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 it, and it loved its life. Five, it was a, four, It was a child that was three, excited about two, growing up. To, oh, he didn't make Demorge cry. Uh, <laughs> guests of Make Demorge Cry stay at... <laughs> Biracial Swimmers Downtown Standard Hotel. Don't you swimmer? Biracial Swimmer. A Dunphy Classic Hotel. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no, not a crier. But I grew up in a house where you showed uh, just steely reserve at uh, at all sort of emotionally critical moments and stuff. What house? <laughs> the Brown House. <laughs> it was the Brown House. Uh, there's, not, there's not a movie that is like a, a, tear, a tear jerker for you? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Flirting, which is the second half of that. The, there's uh, two Australian movies about the same character. Uh, and in the second one, the last sort of monologue that the kid gives you, which is sort of after he's grown up, it just, it just wrecks everything. I'm like that That's with great. the end of Wrath of Khan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Doc Hollywood. I cry at everything. I'm, 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 a, I'm an easy mo- movie. It, it, when, the, when the music crescendos, I'm crying. <laughs> you, know, you know what gets me? I, can't, I won't even watch it. Uh, I, I saw somebody on the plane watching Glory, and I cried, like, just looking over it. I, I saw that Glory was on, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> Which scene? Um, a bunch. Oh, a just, bunch I'll of just, them. That guy just made a sound that sounded like the word taco, but and uh, it reminded me of a of a of a thing. Uh, Pornhub, Pornhub under fire. Here we go. Let's do let's do our uh, race in porn segment. Uh, oh, it doesn't have doesn't need to have a theme song if you're. Yeah. Pornography is emerging, and so is race. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, Pornhub. Who, uh, I don't even know what they were doing. Was a, there was a page that uh, if Spencer was here, he could explain it because I think was it you or was it Spencer? You did it. I sent it to you. Can you? Would, do you remember what the context is, Steve Levy? Uh, do you want to come explain it, Steve Levy? Response Steve Levy, everybody. <laughs> Steve Levy. Hello. I. I. I it was. Uh, they were. Putting emojis for their categories, right? But was it was it specifically like here's emojis you can use? That- no, no, they they picked them and that's what. Well, yeah, but you're. This is. Uh, I'm saying like, what what the hell was their point? What, what were they trying to do? Like create a secret code or was no? It- so it was like a it was like a cute thing. It was like here are emojis for our categories. Right. So another. So yes. Yeah. So they were they were saying like when you want to text your friend about porn. Like, like you can use these emojis to you mean these code phrases. Is that what it was? I I thought they were doing it on their website as like a or like on their mobile phone. All right. Like they're, so you you I, you, I you don't, don't know. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, whatever it was, whatever the context, it was like their emoji for uh, Latina, which is a category of porn, uh, because fetish. Uh, the the uh, it was a taco. I'm I'm going like this because I'm indicating the size of the emoji. <laughs> Emojis are like it was a taco, uh, and you know that's 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 valid valid outrage. Like like, like it taps into a okay. It's a it's a new you know it's like this is so like like yeah like the, the what's uh, the emoji for white person? It's, I'm sure I'm sure it's I'm sure it's nothing, Rob, because it's the it's the it's the it's, so it's you, the it's the hegemony of 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 normativization. Hegemony of uh, normatization. Um, you don't have to say something all the time. I mean, it's just, it's just like if you don't, you can. It's just. I mean, it's like it's not like you're gonna get invoiced if there's. If you just, if you just <laughs> behave yourself for a second. So, Steve, you and Dan watch porn together, or you text each other about porn? What's no, going on? No, I saw. Here? It was like a, it was like a top ten article. He uh, knows about my I, passion for, for. And I was like, oh, Dan, you know, uh, he's a progressive that, guy and likes porn. Well, or is well, yeah. the issue that, that they're using, uh, uh, just you know, okay, some, well, some yeah. kids. kids. Well, well, I think it, I think it pokes into a larger, a whole larger issue, which I think is a good thing. I, I think it's great. 
that now these conversations are being had about porn because it's furthering the normalization of porn being outraged about minutia of porn like like hey like t- 10 years ago uh a uh an adolescent or, or young adult like a uh, latin person and their tumblr blog they wouldn't you know they would they, they would be maybe afraid to say oh this is an offensive thing because they'd be simultaneously uh copping to awareness of porn and the comments would be like oh watch porn much i mean as, as recently as 10 years ago that might have been the case so is that there's a little silver lining in there all right it's so it's you text Pornhub an emoji, and they send you a video so that you don't have oh, to so search. Just, so okay. it's like, <laughs> so if you text them a taco, they'll send yeah. you they'll send you a video. What that are they the think other races? Like. What, what, like what is Asian? What is black? What is you know? Well, they're all pretty. Guess what? Porn. Uh, <laughs> Mature. Like it's like it's scissors for lesbians. Like, Interracial is a a, a, a yin oh, and yang oh, that, sign. That's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Home run. <laughs> lesbian is a scissor. Uh, cream pie is a cake with cream in the middle. So this is like a Montessori sort of porn <laughs> exercise. Big dick is the eggplant. Squirting is the little. You know, <laughs> come on, come on. Let's clean it up. What are the other? What are the other ethnicities? This is all of them. Yeah, is, you, is that the whole? The whole that's the. Race? Yeah, yes. you, you got it. What are some of the more specific ones? <laughs> so, not that I care. It's very dim. Can you brighten it up? Yeah. You saving your battery? I don't. Good luck. You gotta save that battery, there, Levy. <laughs> But I have like a, a million. Anyways, letters. refreshing that uh, uh, porn, which okay. I keep I keep beating that drum. You that, got, guess what? And other things. Guess what? The cherry. If like two cherries. Guess what that stands for? What, what, what that is? Fruit salad. <laughs> Small tits. Two cherries? Yeah, it's right. dumb. Doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, let's all, yeah, there's the problems with the, it's a, they, 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 they were on thin ice before guess they what? stepped out the door. Guess, <laughs> guess, they should come out with emojis. Guess what an old school Atari joystick is with the knob and the red button. <laughs> Solo mail. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all porn. Oh, in terms of what you're looking at. Oh, okay. Hey Bob, <laughs> here's some solo male porn for you. Uh, well, yeah, so all all the other ethnicities are flags, like like country. Yeah, of see, that's the thing. Like, well, and this is something that you know. Uh, uh, not not just Japanese isn't sushi. Oh come on! No, Steve, I'm that, serious. That, that, it's not, Steve, that, that, leave. Not I thought it was Steve. I guess, come guess, on. Guess what? Well, what, 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 the, what, the, what the right on fist means. I have a you fa- get one know, guess. Uh, uh, this is pretty funny. I don't know, but the, but 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 whoa, whoa. pantomime. Guess what? Guess what? Two crossed cutlasses, like pirate swords. Two crossed cutlasses. That's gay, gay porn. It's gay. Yeah. Oh, oh, sword what? fight. Sword yeah, two fight. dicks. Yeah. Right, okay. I can't. I was slow on that one. That's the classy one. I was slow. Wow. Um, the, the, but, but I just realized, but you can flow chart through that now. So imagine being in whatever that think tank is. <laughs> if they, they, they're, so they, they, maybe they did initially go flag, like, cause that's the easy choice. And then they're like, oh, is that gonna, no, there's no way they went down that road. Cause they're like, oh, that might offend people if you d- use the Mexican flag. What would a Colombian thing? <laughs> 
they're like, let's put a taco. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I just thought for a second, like, oh, there must be. I, I'll, I'll bet you a million dollars that that that. Uh, Is there a llama? Everybody there? over there would agree they made a mistake. <laughs> But but the but the good news is I just I you know not to beat a dead horse but I just I like that today's young person uh, uh, in a, in, a, in a sea of, of of outrage and complaint and and hashtagging and all that stuff I like porn being added to that it represents to me who has no horse in the other race to me it represents porn being closer to the front door and in our living rooms and being talked about I like it talk about talk about porn. <laughs> Talk about it to understand. Talk about porn. Talk about it. Give your neighbor a hand. Go over at night. No, no, don't until, give your neighbor a hand. Until we, until we teach people to, to what the heck it is and what it is and what sexuality is and, and what, you know, I mean, you, you got to be really careful with that stuff, dude. So, wait, so you, you should te- wait, teach people. Yeah, we need to teach people. We don't, and we shun it, and we. We, right. we block people away. We still, it's yeah, we push it down, so and that's where it turns into like a weird black market like thing, which yeah. where then you're entrusting sex awareness to, you know, hardworking, but maybe not, you know, not, there's no regulation and there's no, yeah, exactly. That's my point. Exactly. We finally agree about porn. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. What, what do you want porn to become, Dan? What, what, would, be, what, what, what would be your dream you future of the state of porn in, you know, twenty years? Well, I, th- I think it should become the equivalent of like uh, cosplay. The way we talk about, like, like, like the way we compartmentalize our fantasy life from our reality and are comfortable with it, so that people don't get hurt. Like, like you know, there's you know, people. We were having conversations now about like. You know, uh, you know, y- young women that, that dress up as poison ivy and go to Comic Con, you know, how, you know, you're not allowed to just, they're not saying you're allowed to objectify them just because they're dressed that way, et cetera. It's like a conversation starting to happen, but it doesn't have anything to do with as it did 20 years ago. Oh, why are you dressed like poison ivy if you don't want blah, blah, blah to happen? So it's like, I, what I want for porn, which is an industry that has been for a long time, uh, you know, like just rife with suicide and, um, drug abuse and, 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 you know, d- disease and like just sad stories, uh, the, 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 the exploitation and things like that. Like the more you talk to people who, you know, as, as, a, as a younger generation is coming into it that has a little, a few less cathexes, like there, you're seeing a little more possibly mental health within the, the porn world, maybe. And but we, need, I think we need to. What I would like to see is for porn to be just on the other side of a curtain, where you know you don't you don't need it to be ever present and visible. But it's like it's also at the same time it's accountable to uh, the same rules that uh, uh, normal life is. It's just on the other side of a curtain, which means that this life doesn't have to be such a fucking lie because you don't have to have conversations with people where you're like, like, like our worship of movies and television and, and, and stuff like it has like this dark side to it where we think that our real life is like not a thing that's worth living because we're not Robert Downey Jr. in a, in a robot armor suit. Like, like it's like we need to, it would be nice to be able to recognize like that's mythology and that we use that to entertain ourselves, 
during this very important life that, that is happening right here that's very entertaining, even though maybe my podcast is two hours long and has no structure to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm advocating for the right to be boring. <laughs> and yes, I, I have an agenda. Here's something I didn't know I was into. <laughs> Wilma Flintstone. You did send me that vine. Yeah, she was pr- Wilma and uh, Betty Rubble, pretty good. I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, because I, you know, I was checking out cosplay stuff, you know, and then it was just like, you know, do do people cosplay as, as Betty Rubble and Wilma Flintstone? Yes, they must. Sure. They must. I'm sure. This they is do. what I found out. And Judy, I, went, I had a big hmm. thing for Judy Jetson. Judy Jetson. Wow. Sure. <laughs> same same deal. Yeah. I'll be checking that out when I get Someone home. from uh, <laughs> Thelma from Good Times. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thelma from... Uh, it did the job. From Scooby-Doo is what you're saying. Is Vel- it? Velma. Velma. Velma from Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I yeah. mean... Thelma from the Jeffersons. I met two girls at a school, like, I think it was at Smith, it was one, of the, uh, one of the East Coast colleges. And, uh, by and large, it was a very large... Uh, like lesbian community there at, the, at that school, large yeah. lesbians or the community is large. <laughs> like both. Oh, okay. Uh, and somebody was saying, uh, I, I, maybe somebody here can verify that that the, the, the those schools, like the, those sister schools, are based on or Scooby Doo is based on them, or that like the, 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 one school is the Shaggy because the people there get high, and one is the the Thelma because that everybody there is lesbian, and uh, as it, is that is that a real thing? Yeah, it, it's, it is? Vassar is Shaggy. Vassar is Shaggy. Uh, Smith is, I think, uh, Daphne. Uh, um, uh, Velma. Velma. Um, uh, Freddy's Princeton. Um, <laughs> well, that's... Pre- oh. uh, yeah, it's one of... It's, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, they all have... This, this but place. I met these two girls at a bar in that town. It's like Southampton, Northampton, whatever that is, in uh, Massachusetts. And uh, there was two girls sitting there, and they were dressed exactly like Daphne and Velma. And they were exactly what they were in this thing, but like totally non-ironically, there was just two girls sitting there. Anyway, long story. <laughs> like, uh, I've grown to accept Daphne, like, <laughs> in my old age. Isn't, but isn't she right in your wheelhouse? Isn't she? Well, she, you'd think so, but like, I didn't like. I mean, I really did. I watched the. I watched that show, and I really was quite taken with Velma, and uh, you know, it was a. I really liked her, and uh, so she kind of distracted. It's the Marianne, Marianne from Gilligan's Island complex. It's like Ginger was a redhead, and she was supposed to push your buttons, but it's like when it's when it's so. But it's like Marianne had dimension, so you know, yeah. you're kind of like, well, then it's like it's a trick. It's a, it's a, you know, it's like oh, you're. It's like oh, she's she's not the glamorous movie star. She's got pigtails, <laughs> and then you're like. Then you're like you get you get mad at Ginger. You're, you're like you're like fuck you. You're not beautiful. I hate you. This is a poor like girl. A, you're oppressing. I, I wonder what Norman Lear would think thinks of Sherwood Sherwood Schwartz. Do you think he, like they, like he was like fuck that hack or, or like like and I kind of want to ask him about Irwin Allen too. Yeah, like 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 people who were prolific, but maybe yeah. But I, 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 I yeah, I want I'm curious. Like would 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 you ever catch Norman Lear like 
like just talking shit <laughs> about hacks and stuff, or is he just well, like he, so he, he, he lofty? Talked about, he talked shit about later Jerry Lewis. Like he's like, like he was funny, then he fucking lost his shit, and he, like, he wasn't funny anymore. Yeah, I, I think he would, you know, shoot straight on that. You know what? Can I tell a story about that that I learned from from that book? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, him and his uh, partner, uh, uh, last name Emerson. He, he mentioned him up here. I, I, I uh, can't remember his name. The uh, that's great, Dan. Uh, the the uh, they were working on the for Martin and Lewis, uh, and uh, they went from their first paycheck was they were splitting seven hundred bucks. Uh, which was a big deal to them. It was a lot of money. It was a windfall. And then by the time they were done, like three seasons of that show, they were making like ten thousand an episode or something. So you can imagine. I mean, if seven hundred was a big deal. So so and then they um, there was a full page ad that was taken out. I think by the producers of the show that just said. You know, you guys have been the unsung heroes of comedy for a long time. We just wanted to acknowledge, so probably in Variety or whatever existed then. It, 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 uh, uh, you, you guys are great and mentioned them by name and said, like, hey, Lear and, and Emerson, like, you, you guys are, you guys are great. You've been writing great comedy. Thank you for writing for Martin and Lewis all this time and all this stuff. And then it was like a month later, like, Jerry Lewis, like, unceremoniously fired, fired them and, Lear points out in the in the book that in all of his million interviews and books and documentaries and things, Lewis has never acknowledged that anything has ever been written for him. <laughs> so there's a dot connection there where it's like, is that what the, today? That's so like 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 society started saying like, oh, these guys write for you, and then they got and then they got fired. Oh wow! Uh, but then, I, like, but Jerry Lewis's movies, the ones that he didn't write, where he had writers, those are fucking hilarious because he's a, one of the greatest physical comedians of all time. Then when he's writer, director, producer, actor, everything, they're garbage. They're really, I mean, I mean, there's, there'll be a funny scene or two, but that's what he's talking about. And I was trying to stitch that to like, look, if I see a talk show, a late night talk show, and it's like tonight's guest is the vice president of the United States, and we're gonna play tug of war. Gap gap. <laughs> Is that comedy? I wanted to ask someone who you know, spent his career like right. I wanted to because I just wanted to hear him go no and I'm like, thank you. Yeah, because uh, it makes me angry. I don't like institutional I, Apple on the desk. Fucking fun is funny. I was so intimidated by just his aura and presence and the fact that he's also this really magnanimous, nice like like. I was really he, laid back. <laughs> you took it in stride. Uh, I, I should, I should say that that was an, this whole thing that happened earlier was an amazing moment for me because those. Did you shows, know he was going to be here tonight? By the way, uh, I got tipped to it this afternoon, so I came just to be around it. But it's just you have to understand that that guy uh, owes me ten bucks. Sure, <laughs> but he's like Sydney. He's like Sydney Lamette, and he's like Haskell Wexler, and these guys who are politically active. And I would say. Uh, in his stead, maybe somebody else would have done it, but created the sitcom as a political venture, the political sitcom, which was not just selling soap, but it was saying this is what's going on in the world right now, all things. Having and the conversation. We, we, yeah, you could list the things that happen. There's a Ron Glass episode that's just about the way we perceive race, and it's split in half. Uh, the refrigerator breaks down. They don't have any food or something. Meathead's left in charge, and Archie happens to be there, and then Ron Glass comes in, as the, uh, the, the, the repairman, and there's two different versions. And one, 
he has a gigantic afro and a switchblade that is the biggest thing you've ever seen just to eat an apple and Archie's talking about how threatening this guy is and whatever and then Meathead tells his version of the story and it's a totally different thing and it's hilarious from minute one all the way through to the end but even as like a kid watching this stuff in my floor like the, I would just go Jesus Christ well, it's like and, people and see regular things. regular use of the n-word in both the, all in the family and the Jeffersons and like 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 you know like that was it was it was just all constant conversations about the actual thing my my when i've i've yeah. my grandpa was a world war ii vet who, who who lied about his age to so he could be in the war so he's like like you know, it's, it's almost you don't even want to call anyone from the greatest generation a uh a conservative or a liberal because it's like those words have been so polluted because it's like what else could you be if you were a, if you were a vet like 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 i don't fault my grandfather being a, by our modern definition a little more uh like like not the most open-minded dude in the world um and he and one of my uncles uh, his son, his only son, was a total hippie. Like it was a very analogous of the meathead thing, and it was going on in every house and every uh, every city. And they would watch all in the family together. I would watch them watch it. And I was just a little kid, and all I knew is that my grandpa didn't really like my uncle that much, but that they both liked this show. And then one guy would talk, and he would say like the n word and stuff, and like and faggot and queer, and 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 then my and but then they would take turns laughing. It was like the old guy would talk, and then the the old guy and my my living room would laugh and then the young guy would talk and then the young guy would laugh um and it was it was like it was the why, why did we turn our backs on that i remember because of reagan is sammy, the episode when sammy davis jr comes on and oh, this is what they yeah. and, and he, like he, it's like i think someone says like yeah he's black oh no, he, no, no carol o'connor goes archie Marker says he's black and jewish oh that's a two-time loser <laughs> and then and then sammy davis when he leaves before leaving plants a giant kiss on his mouth and it's, it, it got the, the audience shrieked with, like joy, with joy. It's really, really amazing. Well, the big controversial thing was not only that it was like he, Norman Lear was catching it from both sides when, when, when that show started. It wasn't a ratings hit overnight. It wasn't, it won Emmys immediately, but it wasn't a ratings hit. The, the, uh, and can you imagine liberals were mad because there was a lovable bigot on TV and they kept using that phrase lovable bigot. And, and like, uh, there's, there's, uh, footage in, uh, Carol O'Connor, who you really like walk away with so, so much respect for because he was so passionate about that role. And as Norman points out, like Carol O'Connor was, he, he was fucking out there. The word showrunner didn't exist back then. It was like, it didn't matter that much. Like this guy was on TV playing this character. So it was like liberals were mad that he was a lovable bigot and bigots were mad because it was clearly making fun of them, et cetera. It's like you, you, it was, you, you, it was easy to look at it as a no win situation, but it's, it also was an all win situation. It's like great. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him and for my, my parents sticking me. In front of the TV, we they were really really strict about stuff and about watching TV and when you could watch it and how many hours and stuff. But if they heard the TV on and they yelled out, "Demorge, what are you watching?" and I said, "I don't know, it's a Lear thing," they would let me watch whatever it was. And because they knew that it was complex, Jet Magazine or Ebony Magazine would come out and Richard Pryor would be in it or somebody would be in it, and they would mention writing on one of his sitcoms or shows or something in a, whatever. Paul Mooney, uh, I think he hired him to write for several shows and stuff. And these are. People we had records of, but nobody else talked about it outside of that or knew, you know. And my parents would get these things and they put it in front of me and go, see that, that guy. And he's, it's just 
it's insane at every level of him taking, you know, just taking situations and putting them out there. And the mechanics are sound and the, and the jokes are tight and you're laughing the whole time. But there is so much going on. Maud uh, yeah. with B. Arthur just attacking these ideas of in the height of the of, of, of the power women's movement, um, just everything, what that is to be that, how you deal with menopause and how you move these things in and out of a storyline and make people laugh but also make them walk away understanding what's going on. At the end of it all, the studio audience claps like crazy and it's, you know, it's... Yeah, I, but I, you don't get the sense that there's like juiced laughter. No, no, like not There's com- comfort with silence. You can hear people clearing their throat. They did a rape episode. They did an abortion episode. A cancer did, episode. Like all, like all, yeah, uh, yeah if, it was, if it was something... You know, it was, and it was... It, back then it wasn't like, yeah, you go. Let's do a special episode and win an Emmy. It was like every step of the way it was always like, don't a, do this, don't do this, don't do this. And he always had to say every step of the way, all, all in the family, then fire me. Uh, um, because it's the, like the sets were just like 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 plays. They, they were just like you know like like community theater sets. They, they they were really like Sanford and Son and All in the Family. Like they were just these yeah, really simple sets. Uh, uh, the, the the writing is so funny on those shows that they work like uh, like satellite radio comedy stations play giant sections of All in the Family or or Sanford and Son, and it's incredibly like it's it's vaudeville. It's really good writing. And I mean, we get like it's 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 character driven uh, plays. It's really really crazy. The, the Jeffersons was it was the same setup as any other sitcom I could turn on TV anywhere else and watch. But the people steering stirring the drink were black. And for me as a kid, it was insane. And the buffoon that was a neighbor was the guy Bentley or whatever. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. was a white guy. And we're just watching this. Going like, this this exists. This is happening. Who was the asshole this couple that lived next door to that were always being a bummer? No, no. There, there was a multiracial couple, right? Wasn't there like a... Well, like, it was Roxy Roker. It's Lenny, Cla- Lenny Kravitz's mom. And... Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And... Jeez. Uh, um, the big, the the big white guy. Yeah. Oh, oh Tom. Right? <laughs> yeah. She was because she would always be like Tom, and he would go, "Ho, ho, 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 ho everybody!" <laughs> and then just these dad jokes that would just fall flat. But then you're just laughing because this is like the least funny guy in the room, but it's by and by yeah. design and by intent. Yeah. I remember that. people used to, adults used to call me in at parties and stuff and like set up kids and go like reenact that episode. And people would do, <laughs> my little brother would walk around and go, "Whoa, Archie, what's your day?" Wait, did, Demar, did you like was, was there a time like where you? Did, did that? Did those shows come on and you you saw the shift? Where, oh, shit, that now there's black leading characters, or or was that already on when you were like? It was a, like in New York. There were so many. There were so many channels that needed programming, and so they would just fill up blocks with everything. And so you could see everything on any given day, and you could essentially binge watch as a kid because you're around in the summers and it's just nonstop. Bob Newhart, the old Bob Newhart show, et cetera, et cetera. Oh my God, that's funny. You know, and so you're just getting blasted with this this brilliant stuff. But this is like this. I knew I learned immediately, and I think some one of our parents even said, if you see Norman Lear's name on something, you can watch it because it's it's going to be complex. It's going to be important, and he's doing stuff that's not. I mean, then again, like I say, there were these people who existed. Also, Wex, also Wexler he, shot medium cool and like walked right into the Chicago riots in '68, I think it was. Uh, and just shot shot a movie because that's what was happening now. That's what was important. And he thought art should reflect it. These movements have any kind of movement has two or any successful movement has two things. It has a rhetoric of agitation, which is the thing that's shaking the glass, threatening to break it and makes everybody back up and a rhetoric of convergence behind it, which is the thing that sort of makes everybody. They, they People go around it and they just kind of go, OK, look, shut that guy up and we'll advance you a little bit. And you have to rattle the box and you have to move it. 
And in his shows specifically, I think you get, and this might be this thing about acquiescing and stuff, you get both of those elements. You know, it, the topic for topic for topic, it can be aggressive politically and controversial or whatever. Well, I think he but always, then also, it's yeah, just I don't know if this was it exists, thing. so now the playing field is changed. But another TV person told me, when you watch All in the Family, the secret to keeping that thing going was that uh, uh, if you actually watch it p- through a political lens, Meathead was always wrong uh, uh, politically, and so was Archie. But their Meathead was always right about Archie, and Archie was always right about Meathead. Yeah. So is that because that was that? That's what makes it like you. You can just do that for a hundred episodes, then, because it's never preachy. Certainty yeah. being the enemy in politics and comedy and religion and everything. And Certainty think, is the enemy. And even in that show, I think as an audience, you are often wrong about Edith, and then they take the latter half of that series to prove to you that. There was so much more going on in there. And there, there's a point where she, they're arguing, and it's the same thing that's been happening every episode. And then she stops and she screams at him. And she goes, Not this time, not now. Not. And if you watch any of those oh episodes, God. you just, your heart stops dead. And you go, all, oh, crap, all, all of her happen? secret wisdom that she has, that, 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 that she can put up with somebody like Archie. Like, it's, she's not just a dummy. She's really, really great. It sounds like it's aggressive preaching, but watch the... I mean, if you haven't seen any of these episodes or any of these things, just watch his shows and you're... And there's a great clip... You will uh, be entertained as the top priority. An awesome clip. I forget what the episode is, but there's a bit. It's so funny and it will last forever, like in the annals of comedy. It's uh, She asked, Archie, do you love me? <laughs> He's like, oh, Jesus Christ, Edith. <laughs> He's so... Yeah. And, and she, she, she nails him down on it and it's really, really wonderful because she's, she's the... Uh, She's the uh, the straight man, like she's the she's the protagonist in that thing. It's really really great. And and, and uh, it's Gene Stapleton, right? Yeah. Oh my God, the, the cast, the acting, fucking amazing. And then later in life, you see them do things out of that context and realize these are the most brilliant performers, artists in the world. Yeah, because they're crap. all British and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they may as well be like Carol yeah, Connor is like, not. He's not like this. Uh, was it? You know, he's like like, yeah. like his 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 accent is not Archie Bunker's accent, yeah, and uh, nor is Stapleton's. Like they're jarring, intelligent man. people. Uh, all right, so Sorry, I didn't mean to go I off. I farted that, the other that day. That was like a life changing thing today. So thanks for that. Sorry, yeah. sorry Dan. Uh, your fart story got interrupted. Yeah, before, before. I, I didn't really fart. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry. All right. Well, what have we learned tonight? <laughs> I think a whole lot. How about being not now the, the career that that guy has, and <clears throat> and con- will continue to have. And like it's a Kiyomi, right? Yeah. And you you work with him and like uh, kind of as what what capacity? Oh God, she's still here. It's so embarrassing. We're talking about your boss all night. <laughs> will you come up and just like, come up and grab a mic? So so, so like, if you want to, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, he's 93. He is. And he looks like a million bucks. Yes, he's and he's, he, and he's groovy and easygoing, and he's not yes. a cantankerous old grouch. She's, she, no, not at all. It's amazing. I mean, or, or is he? No, he's not. All right. He's very nice. Yeah. So how, how did you hook up with him? Like, well, uh, I got lucky. I had an agent call me saying that there was a job opening there, and I interviewed for it, and I got... I got it. And now you're working for Norman Lear. Yes, it's amazing. But like, what if what if we could all be 93 year olds that could still smile and be so like completely, like, 
o- open hearted and like o- open minded about stuff. It's really fun. I don't think yeah. it's possible. What? It, what it, is it? <laughs> I just don't want to. I don't want to set myself up for disappointment. So I, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, we didn't get into the biological, the age, because I didn't want to feel like a morning show, like what's your secret kind of thing. But but so like like what? It, was it, so I assume he doesn't drink that much. He's not a big drinker. No, not really. Does he smoke anything? Does he like a glass yeah, of red wine at the? He's pretty, he's pretty healthy. He's, he's pretty into angel salad. dust. I know he's got a kind of an angel <laughs> dust thing. He references some stuff. He gives partial credit to his writing partners, uh, Dexedrine and uh, what's the other ones? Uh, back then, Secondal? Secondal. Yeah. Uh, uppers are, and downers, maybe the, back in the good old days. Yeah, what are the downers for, though? What is it like? like okay. To go then, to bed. And for the third act. All right. <laughs> uh, but he talks about clutch writing and all that stuff. And I wanted to ask him about Adderall and uh, th- like what his what his you know feelings were that because he mentions doing ecstasy in the book. I think just in passing. Uh, is his uh, is writing partner still alive? You know, I actually don't know. I've only worked with him for about a little over a year, so I'm probably one of the newest people on his team. Got it. Okay. What would Norman Lear's porn emoji be? Uh, <laughs> Like, like if it, like if I was sending a text to my friend and I was like, "This clip is amazing." It's, I would it's say Norman look, Lear fucking a, a, a little up, <laughs> upright piano that they play the, 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 the theme song to All in the Family. <laughs> oh no, no, it, it would be an easy chair. It would be Archie's chair. All right, there you go. I didn't really want an answer. <laughs> uh, all right, well, it's uh, it's past. I ten. guess it, I guess traditionally this is the. Part of the part of the show where Kiyomi does a rap, right? That's true. <laughs> we usually have the assistance of our guests do uh, do a rap at the end of the night. Uh, we, we, we have a special beat uh, from Zach. Uh, Zach, is that you want to lay a beat on us? Or oh, from Harry Foster? Hey. Harry, you got a beat? Zach, drop that beat. Kiyomi, do whatever you like. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to. No, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. What? Oh shit. Yeah. 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 Finger, glove, hand, foot, chimney, soot. <laughs> Fucked your mama inside and out. Fucked your mama till she got the gout. She needs iodine, less rich food. I fucked your mama cause she's in the mood. That's consensual. That makes it good to fuck your mama. Oh, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Yeah. Oh, it's like us, we had it made. Those were the days. Yeah. 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 Stifle. Edith, I'm trying to talk. Meathead has got to take a walk with his liberal viewpoints and pro-queer views. I fucked your mama so much she's in the news. moving on up to the east side. Yo. To a deluxe apartment. Yo. In the sky. It's in the sky. Yo. It's in the sky. Yo. 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 We're moving on up. Yo. 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 Yo, 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 it's hard, yo, okay, yo, yo. Beans on the griddle, burn on the grill. I fucked your mama till she had her fill. 
I fucked your mama in a deluxe apartment. I fucked your mama and I was able to compartmentalize it. Cause I have uh, autistic traits. And I fuck her so great. She loves my focus and my ability to focus on her. But she's put off by my lack of eye contact. But you take the good with the bad. Keeping your head above water. Making our way when we can. Temporary layoffs. Good times. <laughs> Yo. Not good times. Yo. Good times. Yo. Good rhymes. I fucked your mama so hard. I was uh, a slice of lime. Uh, dynamite. Fucked your, fucked your mama all night. I went out in the hall in, in a tenement building. Harry Foster, next time make your song a little longer. All right, okay. All right, yo, yo. Here we go, here we go. Right. Yep. Final, final verse. Yeah. Bringing it all together. Yep. East coast, west coast, top coast, bottom. <laughs> I fucked your mama, and then I got them. I'm talking about Pokemons. I got them all, and then I brought them to Niagara Falls. I said, help me fuck your mama. All right. And Thank you for coming to Harmon Town, everybody. Thank you, Kiyomi. Thank you so much. Steve Levy. Demorge Brown. Her Harry Foster for making the smooth beats. We love it. Make us a bunch. Rob Schraub, everybody. I'm Jeff Davis. One more time, even though he's left the building. Norman Lear. Pretty cool. It's awesome to have you all here with us for that. And your mayor, Dan Harmon, everyone. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com. Hello, beautiful. I'm Amy Errett, founder of Madison Reed, a hair color company I named after my daughter. One of the things I value most in life is time. Time to spend with my daughter, time to spend with family, and the time I put into my company that's reinventing the way women color their hair. The busiest, most successful women I know use Madison Reed, the amazing hair color hack. In under an hour and for less than $25, Madison Reed delivers gorgeous, shiny, multi-dimensional, healthy-looking hair with an ammonia-free formula. You'll look like you just came from a salon, but the reality is you have more me time to do what you love. Things get busy. Let us take care of you and your hair. 
Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com and get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit. Use code NEW. That's code NEW. Try it. Love it. That's the beauty of Madison Reed.